0: Pro ball spa you want good words Data languages talk real sports with a real man come after me i'm a man i'm 40
1: and now here's the be all end all know it all of high school college and pro
0: sports Aaron skinny calc with the skinny on sports we're talking about practice man i'm the mvp And a good Wednesday morning out there, western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. We've got all kinds of stuff on the docket for today. Did you see the NBA awards are all going to be renamed? Did see that. Huh? What? (laughs) Why? Do you like it? I know, we'll talk about it at the end. You don't have to tell us yet. Um, I've got a question for everybody out there. Who's the most underrated player in any sport? Okay. I've got one. And I've got one that I think is probably on the Mount Rushmore of his sport. And there's people that think a guy that's his contemporary. If you just ask anybody off the street, I think there's a guy that's his contemporary that, that his stats and his career can't even hold a candle. Most people would say is a better player at his sport than this guy that I've got in my mind as the most. I think he's the most underrated player in all of sports. Got some football stuff. Have you seen on ESPN's website, Bill Conley? He's he's not necessarily just a you know opinion guy. He uses numbers and that kind of stuff. The FPI, a lot of that uh, on ESPN's website. He, he came up with the list. He ranked the the college football playoff teams so far in order.
1: Oh, okay. Of all you know, the time, all time college yeah.
0: football playoff. Right. Just in that you know, thirty six teams in the nine years of the playoff. So it just without looking at it, I'm gonna you know who's who do you think's the best? over the last nine years. All right. Also, coaching carousel. We're about done with it, right? I mean, about everybody's got a seat. The musical chairs have pretty well stopped. So which uh, which hires, hire or hires, did you like the best in college football? And then right off the top, we'll talk high school hoops from last night. Uh, there was a bunch of games uh, that we can discuss here on a Wednesday morning. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. Let us know what you saw if you went to games last night. Feel free to chime in 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. Log on to kadsam.com or download the app, Paragon app has it all with three radio stations, the Penny News. Brand new edition of the Penny News hit the website last night at midnight. So check out the new deals, thepennynews.com. The print edition will start to filter out this evening. By tomorrow morning, you can pick up a fresh copy of that paper edition of The Penny News at your favorite local newsstands. We've also got Big Elk TV and Paragon TV. Friday. So Actually, tomorrow, you're going to be on, on the air tomorrow. Paragon TV with Canute down at Duke. Friday pretty well wraps up the pre-Christmas break portion of the schedules all across western Oklahoma. So you can check out the high school basketball live stream there on Big Elk and Paragon TV. And, of course, the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you miss the show entirely, you can check that out uh, on KADS.com, K-A-D-S-A-M, excuse me, .com, and also iTunes.
1: Hi, Jared. Good morning.
0: How are you this morning?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: Just a little tickle in my throat. Oh, yeah. Kind of some stuffy. Every now and then I might hawk up just... Some of the grossest, nastiest stuff that you can imagine. Okay,
1: moving on. <laughs> so that's how I am. Other than that, I feel, I feel great. am good.
0: Energized after a good night's sleep. Good. And so, uh, ready to roll here on a Wednesday. Good. How are you feeling? You I'm, good? I'm good. You've made it Made it past the flu?
1: Yeah, I think so. That was the question everyone was asking me last night at the game. How you feeling? How you feeling? I, I feel good. I started the game, and then, I mean, I, I was fine, and then, I started the broadcast, and all of a sudden, <coughs> just I got past that, though. Luckily, I had some cough drops and a bunch of uh, bottled water H2O? Yeah.
0: That's some H2O myself. Yeah. All it's good. A, all good. It's good. A, honestly, though, it's with the H2O, you've got to be, oh, resourceful.
1: Mm-hmm
0: because when you're the lone ranger you can't feel yourself so full of water that some of it needs to come out during the broadcast
1: yep i know that fact yep and i've done that (laughs) i've like between games that well here's some extra long commercial (laughs) breaks i gotta be right i'll be right back but uh and, and at least where i'm at in canute it's on the opposite side of the gym so it's kind of a walk but I've done that before, but yeah, yeah a, you have. It's to... a
0: race uh, now. Now with four minutes at halftime, I think it'd be a little oh, bit yeah. easier. But back when it was like two and a half or so, yeah, it would be. I mean, from my perch to get down those stairs at the Pioneer Center, and then get back up.
1: Oh yeah, you're up there. Yeah,
0: you know, it, everything would need to go smooth, and then of course, as you're going by, especially if it's halftime of a game or in between, people want to stop and talk. Hey,
1: what about that? I'm like, hey, uh, can't talk. Got to yeah. go here. Yeah. There's an art to it of, of making it look like, hey, I can't talk, but hey, how you doing? But I gotta go, bud. Thanks for seeing. Thanks yeah. for coming out. See you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I feel good. I feel good.
0: What'd you see last night at Canute?
1: Uh, I saw a pretty good girl uh, girls game where at one point one team looked really good, at another point the other team. Looked really good. At one point, Canute had a 10-point lead, and uh, I think it was in the second quarter. And then here comes Arapahoe-Butler. It was very reminiscent to how the game ended on Saturday, where the final, I don't know, 60, 90 seconds of that game, and um, they just methodically played good, concentrated defense, and then chipped away at it. And all of a sudden, it's a two-point lead for Canute at halftime. Um, And uh, in the third quarter, it was... Kind of a weird third quarter. Kylie Smith twisted an ankle, <clears throat> and uh, she had to come off for the remainder of that quarter. But Knut would hold on to a one-point lead going to, into the fourth. Uh, Smith would come back, but I don't know how effective she was. There was a noticeable limp. I, you know, I think she went off to the locker room to get taped up. I'm not a hundred percent sure on her status. But if we're looking for good news, uh, to have it, you know, you don't want to miss out. I don't care who you're rooting for. She's a senior. We all know how good she is. You want her to be on the court all season long. So the good news was she came back, but I, again, don't know how 100% she was or how, how much she was. But um, she was shut down pretty much. Uh, just couldn't – didn't have that extra gear in the fourth quarter. And Katie Eland turned it on in the fourth quarter, had uh, 2 for 5 of her 13 in the fourth. And Arapo pulled away, winning 44-34. to in that one they held Canute to just one fourth quarter point point. Canute was having a lot of trouble finding um space inside the outside shot wasn't working so when they had the shift to go inside and and kylie's a big part of that mm-hmm. uh working that high post they give it to her and then she could work in down low or she could even just body up down low and uh, that was taken away i think a large part because of of the apparent injury but um she would finish with 15 and um and that one point was her one free throw she sank in the fourth quarter. So um, just wasn't there offensively in the second half for Canute. Only eight second-half points total. Um, but uh, uh, they fell 44-34. <laughs> to 34. Boys game, it was um, a little close early, 24-19, Arapahoe lead at half. Um, Canute actually cut it down to a two-point lead going into the fourth quarter. But it was all uh, Landon Donaldson he had 22 points he had um what was it uh, two, four, 6 2468 to 12 16 of his 22 in the fourth quarter and uh Arapahoe outscored uh, Canute 20 to 9 in the fourth and pulled away for the win 48 to 35 um Rapo uh, up and down just uh, just a tick better and um when you only have uh 3 of the uh, uh check that four of the i uh, not we had a change-up in the lineup, so I'll take that away. But Jackson Beck, he was only held the two, two three-pointers. Um, they were on him like glue, face-guarding him the entire night. And when that happens, you have to have someone else step up and and hit some shots. Um, Kyron Winry did what he could. He had ten. But um, Keith Winery had seven and only two in the second half. So it was a good defensive night from Coach Rogers and Rappahoe Butler. Uh, you know, cutting or shutting down the the key pieces to what makes Canute good, and that's their shooting, offensive shooting. And, um, but Arapaho's a good team, man. They're, I mean, Landon Donaldson, we've known about him for a while. He had a great night at, with 22. Um, there's some young pieces for Arapaho, too, that are really good, like, uh, Orsain Jubara. He's a freshman. He had five. Uh, Deshaun Washi, he had eight points, couple of three pointers. You had, um, um, oh, uh, Ty Ingram. He's a junior. He's getting some playing time. Couple three pointers. So, what I talked about with Knut—that's what was happening for Rapo. It was really spread out. Everyone uh, for Rapo was uh, or contributed in key moments. So, um, Rapo Butler looked pretty good coming, or uh, they improved to eight and three with the win last night.
0: I think it's interesting <clears throat> with the Trojanets watching some of the games from the five county, and then what you describe right there. Did. You know, the first quarter of that semifinal against Merritt, they just eviscerated Merritt's zone. Knocking down shots from the outside, using the you know a, a fast start outside to get buckets inside, you know, really mm-hmm. playing inside and out. But then in the second quarter, when Coach Doherty switched to a man-to-man, pressed him a little bit more, all of a sudden it was like the the spigot just got turned off. Is that, is that something, you know, when, when you see a man-to-man, I'm, I'm sure a lot of teams think – we need to zone this team because they're afraid of staying in front of Kylie, right, and mm-hmm. just letting her, you know, just drive it right down their throat and either score or when the defense collapses, get an easy bucket for somebody else laying it, out, laying it in off the glass. So you, you would think that that would be an obvious strategy by teams, but it feels like here in the latter stages of this first part of the schedule when other teams have gone man. Knut's really not had much of an answer. Is that am I, am I just did I just see when that happened, or is that something that that Coach Ridling is going to look at over the Christmas break to try to fix?
1: I think there'll be adjustments made over the break. But last night, for the majority of that game, and I could be wrong, but I'm going back to my memory banks. Rappo stayed in a zone, yeah, but you know they they have some length to them. Obviously, Katie Eland, but uh, Bailey Walker and uh, Lakeland Thompson. Are are just as tall and just as long. I'm I'm, I'm big on that. I'm mm-hmm. big on wingspan and taking away passing lanes and space inside. When you use that zone defense and, and you're all in sync and moving with every pass, it makes it tough to find that space inside. It's what you know, Canute wants to start with, and they'll go that high low game with with Kylie Smith with the high post and Butler down low, and you could work a lot with mm-hmm. that. And then when you know they collapse in on that, then you got those shot options with. With Destiny Jackson, who's very capable of filling up. She did in that first game on Saturday against Arapahoe. And then, of course, Jade Gray can, can sink them, and Emily Cantwell can. The, I, I think the offensively what the issue is, the shots just aren't going in. Yeah. They're doing everything right. You go back to the film and you watch it, everything's being ran correctly. And they're finding that space. And either A, it, they just, it's just like Kylie's driving to the hoop. Well, it's not going in. Last night it was until the injury either you know we're used to that too she she's either going to make that shot left or right side or get fouled Mm -hmm. or make it and get fouled and that's where she can be very productive um the addition of destiny jackson and she's still learning this i mean she's a freshman she doesn't play like she doesn't look like a freshman and at times she does not play like a freshman but there there are times where i think she needs to be a little more aggressive and you know maybe take a pump fake and drive in Mm -hmm. and, and and use your size and you know, but the the issue is the shots right now aren't going in. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's let's I mean, we just talked about it. Could it be sickness? Uh, is well, there it's one basketball. It's, it's, I mean, if you're yeah, running
0: things right and getting the shots that you're wanting, they don't go in. Sometimes they just don't go in. Sometimes and you lose. they just don't go in. That's right. Uh, I think
1: the common theme talking with parents and and coaches last night after the game was everyone's like we need a break.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's And there's it's, a lot of
1: teams out there that are saying the same thing like you know even they're winning they're like we got we need a couple weeks we well, need christmas crunch.
0: <laughs> you think about it it's a bunch starting at november the 1st through basically december 15th and you look up and you play 12 or 15 games and then that's two or three a week by the time you get it averaged out mm-hmm. and you know nobody wants to see anybody roll an ankle or whatever but it's a lot better now than it would be coming out of the break uh for kylie because now she can get the couple of weeks of rest and, and yeah. be able to manage that without having to worry about what your record is because there's no games being played yeah. and, you know, take it, maybe not take it easy in practice, but at least be well aware to get her back to a hundred percent when January rolls around.
1: Curious her status tomorrow. <coughs> I mean, if there's does that, any, does that make sense? I mean, if there's any, if it's not a hundred percent, if there's it's, no sense in her playing, then why play
0: there's, I mean, why play, there's really not, um, but she's
1: going to be the one that's going to say, uh, "I'm playing." Yeah, but that's <laughs> but, the problem. But that, that can't happen. Yeah, but she's cause, well, I'm because well, because she I'm, I'm, wants to, but she can't. I'm trying to compliment her. I'm she's because she's no this competitor is. type player.
0: We, but it's yeah. it's no different than watching Baker Mayfield flail around last year at Cleveland. Yeah, they yeah. didn't want him to play. He said he's playing. Well, at some point you got to protect right the player from themselves, and that's yeah. I, I promise you, she wants to play as competitive as she obviously is. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, a one-off game down in Duke on December the 15th doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things when you need her on February the 15th. Right. In a game that really matters in a regional tournament.
1: When you want her a hundred percent, I mean, January is a, I mean, that is, that is a make or break for a season. And if you can have a successful January, yeah, we've talked about that ad nauseum. So we'll see what happens, but, um, I think just from what from an from an observer's point, from what I've seen from from both teams, and I, I mean, even even Arapaho even a little bit, you can see it where those kids are like, the body language, like we need a break. Well, and you know what's <laughs> coming too. I mean, and that's it's the whole coming, and that's the thing too. They see it. That you end know of the it's week, there. Like, it's yeah. like that light at the end of the, at the, yeah. at the
0: end of the, or the pot of gold, at the end of the rainbow, for just a, a couple under weeks under the tree. They can see them. Well, it, it, but here's the problem: some places. Maybe they'd rather be playing. That's true because too. Because those Christmas break practices might be not not as much fun <laughs> as a walkthrough in a game. Yep. Last night uh, at Elk City home opener, the only time that Elk City will be at home uh, in this portion of the schedule before Christmas break, wow. uh, for the second time in the first four games, the Elkettes played a number three team in uh, a class. Uh, number three for a Weatherford li- a couple of Saturdays ago, and then last night the Jones Lady Longhorns. Uh, came in at number three in class three. A interesting when you look at that poll, they are, they are far and away the highest number of first place votes. I mean, it's not huh. even close, they've got like 37, and the next is like seven, but they're down at number three. So that means somebody or a whole bunch of somebodies don't view them as highly as everybody else. Yeah, 32 first place votes for Jones versus seven for number one, Ida Bell, and number four, Washington. So it's hard to it's hard to put those things together, right? Yeah. That their points yeah. would end up where they are, but anyhow. <clears throat> so, uh, and once again, the Elkettes were right there. Uh, Kalen Burton made a shot from just outside the lane on the left with about a minute to play, put Elk City up forty to thirty nine. It was uh, that capped a six nothing run uh, through the latter stages of the fourth quarter when the Elkettes were down 5-39-34. They got back up by a point forty to thirty nine, but then. Uh, one of the senior guards, which uh, both teams last night, senior-laden uh, on both Jones and, and the Elkettes. Uh, senior Zoe Tucker, who led them with uh, 14, I believe. She knocked down a three from the left wing with 41 seconds left uh, to make it 42-40, to 40, and that turned out to be the difference as the Elkettes were never able to claw their way back uh, to either a tie or take the lead. They end up losing 45-42. to 42. Uh, the second time in as many tries against top against number three team in three A and number three team in four A, where you walked away, where the Elkets absolutely had every chance in the world to win that game, just couldn't quite close it at the end. Uh, it was different fashion, you know, against Weatherford. You almost felt like the Elkettes gave it away in the last couple of minutes with a five point lead with minute fifty left. Last night it was just back and forth, and Tucker made the three. That uh, that ended up being the difference, but uh, kudos to the Elcats of staying in that game. There was, a, you know, th- this is a team they've played Jones now three straight years. Two year two years ago, it was fifty four to twenty five. Last year at Jones, sixty three to twenty six, and I think if I, if memory serves, it was like twenty two to one at the end of the first quarter. Like mm-hmm. Elk City couldn't get the ball across the half line. Last night, for the most part, you know, the first quarter they handled the press beautifully, didn't turn it over much and we're right there. I think they had a one-point lead at the end of the first quarter. Started the second a little bit sloppy, but even in those times, and, and this should be the case for a team that has as many seniors as the Elkettes do, in those times where it looked like it was getting away, that's when they, the, those senior players stepped up and made plays. Campbell Rainey made a couple of free throws. Uh, Abby Joe made a three in transition from the right wing. So uh, you're, you're seeing it, and that happened against Weatherford. When they got down six in the third quarter, bam, they were right back there. And, and so really good signs you just you wish that one of those two I mean obviously you wish both of them but one of those two could have gone in the win column against those fantastic teams uh, that they played so far in in uh, Weatherford and Jones get another chance Friday uh, with a trip to Kingfisher who was in the top eight of 4A as well uh, so the Elk 45-42 they fell to Jones uh, even in their record to 2-2 two two. the Elks on the other hand the first half just looked like one of those games, right? It, it, you you watched the teams play, you felt like the Elks were the superior team, but they just couldn't get over the hump. It was like you, if if they made a couple of baskets in a row on, on the offensive end, defense was lacking. If they got some stops on the defensive end, offense was lacking. So it's just like this back and forth game, uh, and then at the end of the first quarter, Bowie makes a half quarter to tie it at ten, but then at the end of the second quarter. Jones is up one. Looks like Bowie has a steal as he knocks it away. The ball just kind of floats out in the corner, and it's picked up by the freshman from Jones, Gall. can't remember. What, Cohen Gall, I think was his name. And he knocks a three down at the buzzer. You know, it's just like just the ball was bouncing the wrong way. But then in the yeah. third, um, Caden Dunlap got going. He had 12 of his 18 in the third quarter. Kai Keys as well knocked down a three and a couple of free throws. And then there was a pivotal moment there. As the Elks were kind of catching fire, um, Dunlap made a shot, got fouled uh, with the and-one. As the officials, you know, reporting the foul, uh, the, the the Jones bench didn't like it, technical foul. Next thing you know, the Elks score six in that possession, and it turns a one-point lead into seven. They end up, up up ten at the end of the third quarter, then from there uh, they kind of kept Jones at bay. But uh, a good performance by the Elks last night, even in their record at, uh, at two and two. Now Friday, I mean it doesn't. I've got the the conference rankings for both the five county conference and the Western Conference. that Elk City plays in that I'll talk about here in just a second. Huh. Things don't get any easier for either either Elk City team as the Cats will play number seven Kingfisher and the Elks will play the defending state champions uh, Friday night at Kingfisher number one. So here, I know we talk about you know teams are good here. The teams are you know and all mm-hmm. this. I've got those numbers. Let's let's read off everything else. So Arnett, man. Lady Wildcats put a beat down on Leedy last night, fifty-eight to thirty-four. I know so one of still our Bayless on that team. I think the young one is. Okay. Uh, I know one of our textures was there last night. See what he's had to had to say about that. Uh, as Arnett wins fifty-eight thirty-four on the girls' side, Hammond bounces back from their first loss of the year uh, to run it up on Timmy and uh, the Navajo Lady Indians, sixty-five to thirty-four. The middle one. Oh dear. There's another one coming. Uh Hobert beat <laughs> Hollis on the girls' side 70 to 47. Then on the boys, as you mentioned, Arapo and Canute, Arapo wins 48-35. Leedy pounded Arnett 80-24. Hobert uh clipped Hollis 66 53, and then Navajo over Hammond 70 55. Some scores of interest. Uh Weatherford, both of their teams won 62 38 on the girls' side over Cash, 50 33 on the boys' side. And Adarco swept Clinton. The girls was not close, eighty to nineteen. Boys' game must it was tight all the way, thirty nine thirty six. And a Darko clip Clinton, mm. and then the look ahead to Friday, at least for the Elk City fans. Kingfisher on the girls' side beat Newcastle fifty three to twenty one. Boys' side that was number one versus number six, and Kingfisher beat Newcastle forty eight to forty one. So, the Western Conference, I think, is what they call the, this new conference that's been created over the last couple of years. So in boys' basketball. 4A. All all these teams are 4A. You've got number 1 Kingfisher, number 3 Weatherford, number 6 Newcastle, number 10 Tuttle, number 16 Bethany, and number 17 Anadarko. Along with Clinton, Elk City, Cash, Elgin. That sounds pretty tough, right?
1: It's like the SEC of high school basketball.
0: <laughs> Wait a second. Oh. Let's go to the girls side. Oh, okay. You got number 1 Bethany. Number two Tuttle, number three Weatherford, number seven Kingfisher, and number eight Anadarka.
1: Could you imagine?
0: Along with, I know talking to Coach Ham, he feels like the Elcats are just right outside the top twenty, with the way that he kind of got I would the votes. He, he said it's, they're, they're very, very close. But think about that: five of the top eight are in the same conference.
1: Could you imagine a? kind of like five county conference tournament a western conference tournament could you imagine sign me
0: you know what i I can
1: it's called the state tournament that's right (laughs) (laughs) exactly where i was headed there for a playoff you you saw me you saw you saw where i was working
0: because i I know last year tuttle and weatherford was a semifinal i think weatherford kingfisher was a first round game anadarko and tuttle have played and, and yeah it's it's for real on that girls' side, boys' side as well. Obviously, with Kingfisher, what have they won? Oh. <sighs> Three of the last four because 2020 didn't happen? Something like that? I and mean, They've been incredible. Uh, and then Five County, girls' is a lot the same way. The only difference is they're not all in the same class, right? Right. So you've got 2A, number, uh, eight, number 8, Merritt. Uh, class A, number 9, Canute. Class A, number 10, Arapo, butler And then two in Class B as well with number three Hammond and number eleven Leedy. Uh, The boys side with just three ranked, but I bet that's more by the time it's over. Number twelve Arapo Butler in Class A, then number four Leedy and number seventeen Sentinel on the boys. So, uh, not only is it our opinion, but it's coaches statewide that you know these conferences that these teams play that we talk about in the Paragon Network. It's no joke. It's no joke with the quality of basketball that's played out here in Western Oklahoma. And, of course, the Western Conference is, kind of goes into the middle of the middle of the state. Uh, Hammond boys.
1: They're still looking for their first win. <laughs> yeah, they're they,
0: – well, but here's the thing. I understand the text because normally – Yeah. In a normal year, yeah, Hammond boys are right there. there Unfortunately, not this season because they're still, as you said, yeah. in search of their first W of the year. All right, Jared, if I just ask you, it's off the top of your head, tell me who is the best college football team in the playoff era. Who do you say?
1: I immediately go to LSU.
0: 2019 LSU. Right? Right. The Joe think Burrow. most people would. That's certainly where I go. Yeah. Not only for what they did. But then also what they've done you know uh-huh. there's I know you try to separate like whenever these it, it irritates me to no end that whenever there's these like all-time college basketball player rankings, and you see Michael Jordan at like number two or three. that see that irritates me because Michael Jordan was not one of the top 50 college basketball players. But for what he became in the pros, he gets more love with his college career than what he should. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And I will I admit that that just that chaps my hide as the old people would say. But I do that with this 2019 LSU team for sure. Not only their dominance in college, but then when you look at what's happening in the pros, good grief. Those guys, you know, those receivers with Chase and Jefferson and obviously Joe Burrow yeah. on that offense, it's hard not to do that, I guess, in your mind. And so I am I am with you. The first team that leaps into my brain is the 2019 LSU Tigers. Right. 15-0. and 0. Uh, Obviously, everybody around here knows what happened in the semifinals just destroying Oklahoma. And then Clemson 42-25 in the final down there. Uh, at uh, New Orleans, so I I would agree, but guess what? That's not who Bill Conley has as the number one team in the college football playoff era. So if it's not 2019 LSU, which we both think it should be, who else do you think it could be?
1: Um, it's gonna be I would guess one of the Alabamas. But which one? Um, would it be uh? Oh, I don't know, 2020? It is 2020.
0: Bama? It is 2020 Alabama.
1: Is there a reasoning behind <clears> it? Is it because of who they've played? Like, you know what I mean? Like in their semi and, and, and championship?
0: Yes. Like little, well, little and, resistance. In the season, too. Which, to me, it's interesting because when you when you read the little blurb about that team. Yeah. The points that are made are incredible. For instance, the Crimson Tide had the number one, number three, and number five finishers in the Heisman voting. Okay. They played one they played one game decided by fewer than fourteen points. They bested an SEC only schedule, if you'll remember, because there was no non conference games in twenty twenty. That's right. They beat an SEC-only schedule by an average of 30. Their defense struggled early, but after the, in mid, mid-October on, allowed only 15 a game. And a lot of people think it's Nick Saban's best team ever.
1: I remember that talk. I here's, remember that talk of... Here's of, my problem. Yeah.
0: I get the SEC-only schedule. Do it in a normal year, though. Yeah. Outside of 2020, even this year, last year, even when Bama was in the in the title game a year ago, what did what have we seen from Alabama? It's kind of their kryptonite. It's been SEC road games. You know, they lost at A&M A and year ago. Uh, they lost how many this year? Uh, they lost both at LSU and at Tennessee. Right. But here's the difference: there were people there in 2020. There weren't. That's
1: that's a good point. And so, and what was their non-conference schedule like before it all broke down? Was there one of those neutral games, like in Arlington oh gosh, or Georgia, I can't even remember. against like an Oregon or somebody? I,
0: it seemed like we did lose. I, I know we lost LSU or Texas going to LSU, right? Yes, because the nineteen—if you remember that—that that yep. juggernaut of, right. of LSU, the, about their closest game was against Texas, right? A terrible Texas team early on in the season. So I know we lost that one. We lost Oklahoma going to Tennessee, and Army, as far as trips go, that was pretty cool.
1: I got, um, I got it right here. Yes, uh, uh, they lost uh, Southern Cal.
0: Okay, so I, I, I was thinking they Arlington. had one of those games, yeah. And so Kent State. <laughs> so it's not the not the uh, the the USC of what it was this year, obviously back then. So, if you want to just look at what they did in a vacuum. It's hard to argue with, with that Alabama team because of the way they dominated an SEC schedule, but if you open up that vacuum and realize what, how they did it and even in the, into the playoffs, uh, I, I just it's hard for me to put that, a team in that season as the best, because, sure, there were challenges that are different than every other year, but there also weren't the same challenges that every other year has, especially on the road in the SEC. See, I would, if if it wasn't going to be LSU, I would go to that 2018 Clemson team, the Trevor Lawrence team, mm-hmm. the freshman Trevor Lawrence team. They struggled early. You remember? Do you remember that? You know, you know the name Chase Bryce? Remember that name?
1: Vaguely, well, he healthy. was the
0: backup when Lawrence got injured against Syracuse. That led him back at oh, home. That's right in that in that game that they were behind by. That's right. But then once Lawrence came back, it was lights out. They beat Notre Dame thirty to three in the playoff, and they beat Alabama, that two a team that beat OU down in the in the Orange Bowl with Kyler Murray, forty four to sixteen. So for me, if it's not LSU of twenty nineteen, which I think it is. I would lean to that Clemson team with Trevor Lawrence with this caveat. What happens if this year's Georgia team just rolls everybody
1: in the playoffs? Ah, well, that – I think what made LSU so special or or puts them at the top of a lot of people's list is that it was not expected. Not at first. Not at first, but then as the season went on, it was like, whoa, look what they're doing here. Look at the – they're breaking records left and right. What Georgia is doing was expected, or is expected. So it's not going to shock anybody. And that's sad, really, because they should be considered one of these all-time greats because they're just blowing by people with little (laughs) resistance. Very little. What, What was their only really tough game? Missouri? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean there's been a little resistance and they in and, and every championship has those or a championship team has those one game where they have to figure out a way to win. But um if they just blow through this playoff, people are like, "Oh yeah, well they're supposed to do that." They are the number 1 team. They were supposed to dominate like they have cuz that's what we told that's what we were told is going to happen at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, they've uh, they played six teams. This current iteration of Georgia plays six teams this year. That's ranked in the SP Plus's top twenty-five. They've beaten them thirty-nine to thirteen on average. They've scored. Here's the thing that I don't think people, if you if you don't pay total attention to everything around the country, this number right here might surprise you. Georgia scored thirty-seven or more in nine of thirteen. This next number will not surprise you. They've allowed 14 or fewer in eight of those games. In eight of 13. So, yeah, they've been dominant. A year ago, um, they were very good. No doubt about it. But it seems like this one, maybe the defense has dropped off just a tick from last year's defense, and how could it not with five first-rounders? But... Stetson Bennett and that offense have cranked it up to a different level than we ever really saw that offense be last year, right? I mean, Brock Bowers is one of the better players in the country at the tight end spot. And they just seem to – the offensive line is good. They get the running game going. And Bennett it, Bennett is better than what people think, I, in my mind. He's just a little bit better than what you think. So I, I could see that if this Georgia team rolls through the playoff, especially if they have to beat Ohio State and then Michigan I think you could see them maybe maybe to three I, I don't think I don't think they can hop LSU in 2019 to two at least on this list but would you I mean in your mind would they be in the spot to be the second best of this era behind LSU?
1: Yeah, I w- I would think so, with all those numbers that you said, and I also kind of go back and then and then you can start to argue. It's hard to, um, yeah. Sometimes it's almost comparing apples to oranges because it's just a even the difference of two to three years is a big difference, because uh, it's a it's different personnel, it's different coaches, it's different situations. But, you know, how much, I'd always look at the resistance, like, you know, what they had to go through compared to what that other team had to go through. And you mentioned all of that. And when you do, when you do those numbers in a conference like the SEC, it's very impressive. And that's what LSU has done too. But then we get to the playoff, I look at, okay, you know, LSU had to go through Oklahoma. It's always fool's gold when it's Lincoln Riley in that defense, obviously with the result. We'll see what happens with Georgia going up against Ohio State. Now, if they go up and and score 35-plus and their defense just bogs down Ohio State and looks really good and dominant doing it, that's a lot more impressive than beating that Oklahoma team that LSU did. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, for sure. And Looking at their schedule, the one knock on this Georgia team is the schedule. You know they start out against Oregon, which is a a good non-conference game. Don't get me wrong; they're just outside the top ten finishing. <clears throat> but then after that, the teams from the West were Auburn and Mississippi State. Yeah. yeah. If that's Alabama and LSU, you know they did beat LSU, but once again in a neutral site in the SEC title game, which is essentially a home game for Georgia, being in Atlanta. I think those are the knocks that you get. Now, you know, if they did play Tennessee when Tennessee was number one in the country and shut down that offense like nobody else did all year long with Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are positives, and the, and the dominance is one of them. But, I mean, when you're talking about that level, for me, they could only get to three behind LSU in 19 and Clemson in 18. Then the argument starts between this Georgia team and that Alabama team from 2020. For me. Mm -hmm. It's where kind of I go with it. Last question on this. Is there a team that you feel like they're where they're at for good reason? but is there one that if they would have been able to do better in the playoff they could vault up this list
1: well i think that will keep it local that 2017 ou team
0: certainly the one that's in my mind
1: well, they're at 21 on this i found the list they're at 21 on the list they get past georgia and then who knows a lot of talks said if they got a, if they would have gotten past that georgia team they could have brought home a title
0: <clears throat> well 2017 georgia who lost on the two of play is 17th on this list 2017 Alabama is in the top ten. They're number six.
1: Yeah, see, I think it would have been OU at six if they had I won still, that Georgia game and then win the title.
0: I, I still think Oklahoma was the best team that year in the playoff. When, once it got to the playoffs. So did
1: Nick Saban. I <laughs> think he was relieved when that I, result I, went down in in uh, Pasadena.
0: Yeah, that's the one that I'm the same way. Just because, first off, we know because we remember. But that, that one was one that, uh, man, just the – not being able to to get a first down with 3 minutes left keeps that OU team from and they're and rightfully so. They're where they need to be because they had two losses they lost in the first round. But I think as far as one that could have helped themselves the most and vaulted up this list, I think that is the right one. Also in 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 this list. What do you think the in what in your mind what's the best program to not reach the playoffs so far?
1: that's a great question to not um i think it's someone like a penn state for me constantly putting out 10 win seasons positioning themselves but when it comes to to having to beat like a ohio state sometimes they have sometimes they haven't or you know or or get that win to get them into a Big 12 or Big 10 championship and couldn't do it um, I I would go with them I'm just surprised they haven't been there yet How about you <clears throat> Because it's a Big 10, you know? I mean, the, you would think every once in a while you can run through that Big 10 and beat Ohio State.
0: Yeah, their problem is they're in the East.
1: That is the problem. And then that's that's the Ohio State problem
0: where i would think about i would think about wisconsin or iowa being on the other side and just having to win that one game right yeah <clears throat> uh for me probably utah utah
1: yeah
0: there is a list here embedded in this list of this do you know that did you see that
1: uh, i found it now
0: another one that um organs made the playoff they made the first one mm mm-hmm. Oklahoma State is absolutely on this list of top 10. And quite frankly, if you look at who's ahead of them, they're at number 7. A&M, come on, man. And
1: yeah, there it is again. Florida? Huh?
0: Auburn? I mean, for me, I like your Penn State. I I I I like Wisconsin because of the split in the Big 10 more than anything. But I would put Oklahoma State absolutely in the top five of any best programs not to reach the playoff, at least, as they, at least as they played in the playoff era. I'm not talking about history, so don't come at me with USC or Texas or Miami or Nebraska. You're talking about the playoff I'm era. I'm talking about in the playoff era yeah. of these nine years. I think OSU's even slided on this list of three or four spots. Because I think they've been way better than the seventh best program that hasn't gotten there. Mm-hmm. You know what were they? A fingernail a year ago, from being absolutely in the discussion. Who knows if they? Who knows if they actually make it? But for me, uh, you know, since twenty fourteen, OSU is above teams like A A&M. and M's had one good year in that whole time, right? And, and it was the COVID year. Outside of that, what has A and M been? Nothing. Same A and M as they've been for thirty years. You know, Florida and all that. So, uh, I would probably go Utah, Penn State, Wisconsin in some order. If you really broke it down, and then probably OSU fourth. And if you wanted, and you know they, they've been in positions and just haven't made it. Yep. Interesting list, though. It is. I understand the because of Bama's dominance in that 2020 season. I get it. Where they're at. Yeah. But when you take the COVID and you take the no fans, and LSU is just awesome. Maybe we need to make our own list. Dakota brought it to the uh, text line. What's the best team to get left out of the playoff? He's talking about the 2014 Baylor Bears. If you remember back, that's the first year of the playoff. That was also a year that the Big 12 did not have the title game. That's true. And so you had two teams with one loss at 11-1 and one at the end of the regular season. It was Baylor and TCU. Baylor's schedule, they beat TCU 61-58. to 58. I remember that game. It was in Waco. TCU had a pretty sizable lead that Baylor just evaporated. Bryce Petty, the quarterback for the Bears, uh, what's his name? Trayvon Diggs. Uh, not Diggs. Trayvon uh, Boykin. Boykin, yeah. For, for TCU. I mean, that was... That was just a heck of a game. The problem was for the Big 12, they didn't have that quote-unquote extra data point of a Big 12 title game to decide who was really the Big 12 champion. Right. And at the time, thinking back to that morning when Ohio State leapfrogged them both, and by the way, the Buckeyes ended up winning the national title, but a lot of Big 12 observers I think were pushing TCU as the Big 12 champion, because at that point they were playing better football and they looked to be the better team, even though they had the loss to Baylor. Baylor lost uh, 41-27 to, to was uh, at West Virginia the very next week after that uh, after that win against TCU. And the frogs ran at, ran the rest of the schedule out uh, to win. And then when you looked at the bowl game, Michigan State beat Baylor by a point. Uh, TCU just ripped a new one in uh, I think it was Ole Miss. Down in Atlanta. But that's for that – I was when the Big 12 didn't know what they were doing. As if they do now.
1: <laughs> right. But I think that's a good <laughs> list.
0: Who was the best team to get left out? Yeah, there's a lot of – That we could do. A lot
1: of schools in discussion for that one. A lot well, of schools not named A&M, so let's just move on from here. <laughs>
0: <coughs> that's pretty funny.
1: I mean, come on. Really? Are we – No.
0: No, we're not. We're not worried about Texas we're not, A&M. No. Okay, I brought this up earlier. We can maybe get into it more tomorrow. Who do you think is the most underrated player in sports?
1: Of all of sports?
0: Of all of sports.
1: Man, that's a scrap. I, I saw that on the list. I, and the way it was worded on the list, I thought, <clears throat> okay, this is – that's a kind of a hard question. Because every sport has an argument for one player over another. But the most underrated player of all, well, who do you have?
0: I think there's a guy playing right now. If I, How about this? If I ask you, I say, hey, Jared, who do you think's better? Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin?
1: Being a novice hockey fan, I would lean – Crosby. Exactly. Right. And it's not even close. Right. Alex Ovechkin scored his
0: 800th goal last night.
1: See, I had a feeling this is where it was going. 800. I I had a feeling that's where this spawned from after last night. Do
0: you realize what that is?
1: Oh, I mean, that's Wayne Gretzky, He is one behind
0: Gordie Howe for second on the all time list of goal scorers in the NHL history and people i'm not shocked you said because it's the truth when you just the the overall part of it's probably because not a lot of people are total hockey fans right
1: unless it's playoffs but yeah
0: you know what i'm saying right right And, and so in but crosby was pushed and pushed and pushed and maybe it's the canada versus russia i don't know what it is but that dude just scored 800 goals you know what's amazing to me about hockey is that... He's on lists. The only people on these lists with him, all time, are Gordie Howell and Wayne Gretzky. It's the only people. It's crazy. Like the, like last night, for instance. Not only was it 800, but it is also the 162nd time he scored multiple goals in a game. Trailing only, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, it's like he's literally... <clears throat> Going to end up because I promise you he's going to score two more goals
1: oh, by the yeah. time it's
0: all said and done.
1: He's right. going to end up in, heck, who knows? Let's look at the list. Do you have that pulled up? Oh uh, no. I was just seeing how long he has been in the league. He's 37. He's, he's been playing since 05. And that's what I was about what's what I was trying to say was that it's amazing how long hockey players can play as rough as sport of that is. Yeah. Where
0: is where's Crosby? He's done. Isn't he?
1: I don't know. He couldn't handle it.
0: Uh, he, your is point, he, I mean, is he
1: done uh, he might be i don't know he had a bunch of concussions so here ovechkin's been playing for a long time at one spot for a long time too
0: 2005 was his first year he's creeping up listen he's only of course you know if you score 50 in a season that's a bunch and he may be too old to get to 50 in a season but he's at 800 wayne is 894
1: When did Gretzky retire? I mean, how old was he?
0: He retired in 1999. He was probably around this same age. You figure, yeah, you figure he was 17 or 18 or 19 starting. He was 38 when he retired. 38, there you go, 18 to 38, because he played 20 years or 21 years. But it's amazing because this dude is on the Mount Rushmore of hockey. He's going, or he should be. And a bunch of people, and it's no offense to you because I knew you are going to say it. I knew it. Yeah. Because people don't realize how good he is no. because of the Crosby thing. This dude is going to be on the Mount Rushmore of the NHL, and there's a, a, over half the people you would ask that question to would say that one of his contemporaries is better than him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, the un, he's just so underrated. Ovechkin is crazy. And I I agree, Dylan says, longevity doesn't make you better. I agree with that, but when when you're still really good and have a long career, that's when you're the best. Yeah, longevity hasn't made Tom Brady the best quarterback of all time. Winning four Super Bowls from the age of 38 on
1: has. Yeah, and it's not like he, Ovechkin that is, it's not like he's the Albert Pujols of hockey right now where, you know what I mean? But shoot, shoot. Alvin, maybe he wants Pujols, to be after way Pujols, Pujols. Still played, had a yeah. good season. Yeah. Now he's still effective. And you're right; could be a little, little underrated.
0: Oh, he's a but million he needs to be in, underrated. I mean,
1: based on this list, he needs to be in that conversation. You know, with the Gretzkys. and um, uh, who? Uh, uh, who's the guy I'm thinking about? Lemieux.
0: Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux. He passed him years ago. He's at 690. Yeah. Where is Sidney Crosby? Let's see where he's at on this list. There he is, thirty fourth. He is still active. So they came. Here's the thing. They, okay, so they came in the same year, two thousand five. Ovechkin has scored two hundred and sixty six more goals than Sidney Crosby. Now, I wonder what the assist numbers look like. I bet you Crosby probably has an advantage there. But for career points, it ain't close. Anyway, I'm going to get off my hockey soapbox now. I love you, Alex Ovechkin. (laughs) You're ahead of Sidney Crosby in my book.
1: I want to talk about those uh, college football coaching hires
0: okay we'll do that tomorrow let's make sure and put that on the list yep. also the bowl mania better get involved right. we'll talk about that tomorrow as well you've been listening to the skinny on sports podcast with Aaron Cow. be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available thanks for
1: listening that ball is blistered around.